This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack, and it's Friday. Tonight, we're talking about why U.S. lawmakers are fighting to ban TikTok. Yes, your favorite app. Why President Joe Biden is making history for signing a new legislation. And you know we have to talk about the controversy surrounding Brittany Griner's release from a Russian penal colony. And why black, uh, black teens across the country are being forced into the junior ROTC program. Did you Y'all know this? Oh, we've got to talk about it. Get ready for another round of the political and trending highlights of the week. Please welcome my Friday co-host, political analyst Ed Sanders. What's up, Ed? Comedian and filmmaker Alicia Cooper. Hi, Alicia. Activist and radio personality Dominique DePrima is here. Hi, Dominique. Hi, Tammy Mack. And conservative, conservative journalist and commentator, John Miller. Hi, John. It's good to be back here, Tammy. Thank you so much for accepting the invitation. So Tuesday, lawmakers announced a bipartisan bill that would ban the TikTok app in this country. The bill comes after years of concern across the Trump and Biden administrations about potential Chinese government influence on the company. TikTok insists that U.S. user data is safely stored outside of China, which it says should keep it out of reach of government officials. According to a news release from Marco Rubio's office, the legislation would block all transactions from any social media company in or under the influence of a country of concern like China or Russia. What are your thoughts, Dominique? <laughs> Isn't our whole country uh, under the influence of China? I mean, they own so much land here. We, have, we owe them so much money. It seems kind of ironic to me. Adding to the irony is the fact of the data breaches of our own big social media mega companies like Meta, AKA Facebook, and all the trouble they've been in, the meltdown that's happening at Twitter. It just seems a little ridiculous at this point to uh, finger point to TikTok when our whole social media is a big giant mess. Right here in this country, huh? <laughs> Alicia. Yeah, it definitely feels a little heavy handed. It, you, it makes you say, why did they select TikTok out of all the things? We get data breaches from Target, data breaches from everything. <laughs> so it seems like, you know, there's something else going on here, you know. But uh, maybe TikTok is just too popular. But at the end of the day, we all love it. We all still use it. And it's going to be interesting to see what exactly, how, what actually transpires from this. Yeah, maybe there's too much information uh, that America d doesn't want people to know that come through that comes through on TikTok a lot, a lot. Uh, it. That's right. I mean, it's an important issue, right? I, you know, I think all of us need to learn more about what are the the risks of, of data breaches that that can take your stuff either through TikTok or any other app. Um, you know, I, I and I and I think that's an important conversation piece. With this bill, though, it seems like it's it's born out of fear mongering, right? And fear mongering directed at China, particularly. Um, and to Dominique's point, to Alicia's point, there are a number of different countries and different apps that we have our data stored on. We've seen breaches on U.S. companies, and and ultimately, we are not taking the same sort of stance. Um, and so this this seems to be just more sort of fear mongering from the from the politics side of it. You know, John, go ahead. All I'll say is I think China is absolutely a threat, and it's a threat that people often ignore because we want to focus on the foreign threats coming from Russia. China is absolutely a threat. However, I don't think this bill is going to do anything about it, and I disagree with it probably for different reasons for everyone else here, though. And I think you have Rubio, who is a guy 
who basically, you know, because I come from more of the Trump wing of the party and, you know, little Marco, this was a guy that was always off on some different tangent than the rest of the kind of Trump base. And when it comes to actual foreign threats, like the threat at the border, which he was one of the main proponents of the Gang of Eight bill, which was essentially amnesty. He's not really focusing on those foreign threats. Instead, he's focusing on this kind of non-issue, which is TikTok. And yeah, so maybe our information is going to the Chinese government. I personally don't really care. I've tried to wrap my head around the whole issue of you know, what if the Chinese government knows that I like to watch, you know, how to cook pasta on TikTok, and I like to watch videos of people dancing, and I'm in Los Angeles. Like, to me, that's not really... Um, that big of a concern and what the Chinese government's going to do with that information, I think, like you all said, it's kind of making something out of nothing. But I do think we can't ignore the threat that China is and the growing power that China is and the legitimate threat that it poses to the United States of America. But I understand what you're saying, John, when you say, listen, I don't think China's trying to tap into my uh, TikTok to see what kind of dances I like or what kind of movies I go see. But could it be like this uh, election that we had when it came to uh, President Trump and Hillary Clinton? Could China tap in and start using uh, fake information to fuel and to uh, prompt elections to be what they want them to be? In my opinion, it kind of comes down to the individual. I remember when all of that was happening in 2016, and the big issue was that Russian propaganda is coming to Facebook and people are believing it. We have to be more vigilant as individuals and as a citizenry. Like, we can't just sit on TikTok and be like, oh, this TikTok video says this is true. It must be true. We probably all know because we kind of work in this space, in this industry, when something blatantly fake comes across our feed, we're kind of like, ah, that, that, that's not real. That sounds a little fishy and do our own research, but I think as Americans, especially when we are just glued to our phones and are getting all this information, it's overload. We have to be vigilant. We have to be aware that there is fake information out there because whether it's coming from Russia, whether it's coming from China, whether it's coming from some grandma in Illinois who doesn't know what's happening, we have to be able to decipher what's real information and what's not. And uh, I know they're trying to do all this stuff with misinformation, but really, we have to have those detectors up because we, we, it's inevitable with all of these platforms, with all of this information, and anyone and everyone can kind of put on the news what they think is real. Right. I think the responsibility comes down to us in terms of what we listen. What we I read am still stuck on going to Target and having to give everybody my information just to buy a T-shirt. I hate having to give out my phone number, my email. I, like it, it, I, I hate. I can't express how much I hate going into Ralph's to get eggs, and I got to give you my phone number out loud. <laughs> I've got to give you my email out loud. I, it just doesn't, does this country even care about privacy anymore? You can't do anything today unless you give somebody your email. I, I, it drives me crazy. Can you tell, Dominique? Yeah, it drives you crazy, and it's also marketing. It's it's the same thing they're accusing China of. Everybody wants your data. They want your email. They don't. They might not care about what pasta you eat, but they want your social security, your email, your address, your phone number, and your demographics. And uh, you know, you're right. It's not just TikTok. It's everywhere we go. Pay cash. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when, you, when you try to get around it, you end up messing yourself up because I tried to give a fake number, then when I went to use it again, couldn't remember the <laughs> fake number I gave. Of course not. So you just succumb not. to the process. You just succumb to the process. Some people are not. Well, yeah, we can't. We only send. We only send email receipts to emails. I'm like, what? Is, what does that mean? What does that mean? You only send receipts to emails. Here's a pen and paper. Write me a receipt right now. That is crazy, right? <laughs> um, Tuesday, President Joe Biden signed a historic bill, an historic bill that protects same-sex and interracial marriage under federal law. The measure passed with bipartisan support. I'm telling you, more than anything, I'm just happy to see something pass with bipartisan support today. Like, this just made my heart pitter-patter. John? Well, okay, I'm a Catholic, so I believe that marriage is a sacred institution that exists to unify men and women together so that they can create a family and start a family. That's not to say that other people don't have a different definition of marriage, but you also have to wonder what was the Biden administration trying to accomplish with this? Because first of all, 
gay people don't really even get married. You look at the stats, and I think it's 95% of homosexual couples. They can't. John, that's not 95%. Are in, in are in not in monogamous relationships, and then you look at the performers that he had, and this is what really gets me. The performers, I think he had Sam Smith. We were just talking about TikTok. Sam Smith, whose number two song is about being disloyal to whatever other significant partner he has. The body okay, shop. Now you're reaching. Now you're reaching. Kind of stereotype the gay was, community. No, let no, me no, ask no, you, whoa, 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 wait, John. Let me finish are you though. saying that because you're a Catholic, we all have to follow your um, your religion and the law? That's theology. That's the. That's not what we want. We are a secular democracy. Well, but he did say of- it's not to, it, to his defense, he did say not to say that other people don't have different definitions of marriage. Yeah, but, but he's, and but he's talking about the and, law and, and discrediting it at the same time. And, and they have different definitions of family. And gay men and gay women are not monolithic. So to say 95% of them, I think that's a stretch. And like Sammy well, said, marriage was illegal. So I... I and uh, who did they poll? That's the problem. Every poll that comes out, nobody's ever asked me anything. So well, I don't know was... who's being polled. You know, yeah, so this, well, this poll was in San Francisco. I, I wouldn't go off of a poll. Or this that. poll was in San Francisco. But all of the legal protections, all of the tax benefits, all of the things that government gives you for getting married are under the understanding that you're going to start a family, that you're going to work together and start building your community. Lots of gay people have families. What's your point? The point is that it, the institution started as a religious institution and people start to get government benefits off of it. And then you add that to the fact that they are not monogamous. And I think, okay, the poll might not be representative of everybody, but Ooh, you go to the ceremony. We, we can't, ceremony, come on now, we can't had, even talk about monogamy. <laughs> you had, okay. like, let's take that, let's pull that Biden out of the context had, of the yeah, Herschel Walker. That, yeah, Herschel Walker, we're not having that conversation. Let's just pull that word monogamy have, out. Who did Biden have at the ceremony? Again, it was Sam Smith, Body Shop. Everyone on TikTok has heard, TikTok has heard that song. He had a drag queen at the, at the ceremony and? who has gone onto Twitter talking about how he wants children to fillet him. I mean, if this is the best that, that the homosexual community has to give us, then you have to wonder if there's an ulterior motive there. The and shame, then the other issue the is interracial marriage. It's not stereotypes. These are the performers they are that Biden had. Then this, you said it was a poll in San Francisco, but you didn't give we me have, the organization have, or who paid for it or anything so like San that. San Francisco poll. We have the polls. We have the, the people that Biden I chose know. to say. What about interracial relationships? What about interracial relationships? Uh, I I don't know people who have wanted to marry another member of another race and had an issue with it. I I feel like that's a relic from another time that they just decided to stick in this bill so that they can say, look, well, if you're against gay marriage, you're also against interracial marriage. They kind of want to overturning Roe versus Wade is a relic from another time, and we're dealing with that. So that's not at all unreasonable. It, to put it all in one bill, because basically what they're saying is if you oppose, for whatever religious meaning, reasons you have, if you oppose any of this, you're basically opposing interracial marriage, you're a sexist. It's a trap to paint anyone who opposes it as some kind of bigot, racist, sexist, sexist homophobe, etc. Uh, I don't think it's needed. I think that, uh, I, I guess it's one of those feel-good things. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's really necessary. And I again, don't think like anyone's going to oppose this a commercial break, because we need a break. Back to business of being black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. And the business of being black today is the trending highlights of the week. Alicia, you want to get in on this new bipartisan bill that was signed that allows uh, the LGBTQIA community to get married and interracial relationship marriages as well? Yeah, I mean, it's sad that we even need bills passed for stuff like that. This is human rights. And what two consenting adults do shouldn't even need legislation. So it just feels like we're stuck in some type of stone age that we should be further uh, away from by now. We should be more progressive than this. And um, I just, it's sad that we're still dealing with these topics and these issues. I'm just, I'm floored. I'm floored. But it was bipartisan, so that is positive. That, um, well, obviously, people... it was bipartisan because of the interracial part, I'm assuming. Uh, <laughs> but Ed, And that's ahead. why they put it in there. That's why they put that in there, because the two things are not the same. Uh, I mean, it's, I think the, the opposition... Yeah, Mitch, McConnell, is, Mitch McConnell's it, wife is Asian, so he had to... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think the opposition to it is, is what's 
it, it's still confusing, right? I, and it's usually rooted in some sort of uh, my religion says this, and you know, therefore, no one else in the country should should be able to do that. And you know, we this is a country that's been sort of born. I, so many things have been justified through religion that have been evil, right? I mean, we can start with slavery, and we could just run down the list. And so, you know, when when the opposition stands up and and sort of thumps a Bible at people and says, you shouldn't live your life this way, you got to question it a little more. And, and, and I'm as, you know, I'm as religious as the next person. But um, I think when when you can see how people's uh, livelihoods, uh, uh, foundation for families are being jeopardized, this bill makes sense. And, and you know, all of the sort of opposition needs to be pushed aside. And the United States doesn't even have an official religion. So I hate when religion is brought up at all. There's a lot of people who are atheists, and their rights should be just as valuable. I mean, the other thing, Tammy, is that a lot of those uh, GOP members have LGBTQ plus kids, cousins, aunties, uncles. And so I think that's part of it. I think that's why they're able to pass this and not police reform and not our voting rights, because those things, as you know, the Republican Party is the party that doesn't want black people to vote. But the Republican Party has just as many LGBTQ plus folks in their families as we do in ours. And I think that's one reason, too. I want to say that this bill federally recognizes all marriages, regardless of sex, race, ethnicity, or national origin, and it requires states to recognize licenses issued legally in other states, but it does not require states to issue all marriage license, uh, though it does take steps to prohibit state bans and restrictions on all marriages. So I um, want to get that point across. Um, Let's go to this. Let's talk about this. So Andy Martinez interviewed former First Lady Michelle Obama, Angie Martinez, a radio personality in New York, uh, who opened up about the selective hairstyle she wore in the White House. Michelle decided to straighten her hair as Americans were just getting adjusted to a black first family. Michelle felt Americans weren't ready to see her natural hair and that styling her hair in a more traditional fashion would not distract from Barack's policy priorities. Let's talk about these double standards that black people have to deal with when it comes to how we style our hair and dress compared to our non-black peers, Alicia. It's ridiculous. And all I could hear was the late, great Paul Moody when the hair is relaxed, white people relax. When the <laughs> hair is nappy, they are not happy. And if I was Michelle Obama, when he had this second term and he was lame duck, I would have wore whatever. I would have had goddess locks. I'd had everything in my head second term. I would have changed my hairstyle so much you'd have thought I was Gabrielle Union on America's Got Talent. I wouldn't care who <laughs> said what about who, how, when, where, or why. You would have gone at and you. I would have given you, you. Yes, I'd have given them something to talk about. So you, she was very nice and very kind to to not do what she wanted to do with her hair. Uh, it's, it's just ridiculous. It's re we had the Crown Act and everything, so I wish she had taken more chances in that second term. Yeah, you wouldn't have minded if she would have gone to Angela Davis or Colin Kaepernick on them, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. Not in the second term. <laughs> <laughs> like I think Alicia's right. I mean, first things first. Let's let's give Alicia the props on the Paul Mooney reference. You know, you keep <laughs> Paul Mooney alive and love you for that. Um, you know, it, it, on on sort of the historical side, you can understand, right? Like, um, you know, this has not been a country that that has accepted us, and through the years. Um, we've had to work to 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 gain acceptance. I hate I hate even putting it in those terms, right? But um, you know, it's it's more of a power dynamic. You know, people go to work in factories and and wherever they go to work, and they're they're sort of conforming with the norms of where they are. Um, we've seen this fight take place in a number of different areas. Whether you're talking about sports and the NBA implementing dress codes and Allen Iverson with his hair, um, there's always this sort of pushback on something that's too black. Um, you know, to Alicia's point about Michelle and, and Barack, I do wish they had been more forthright. You know, I, I think I, I wish she had the the comfort when she was in the White House to be more of who she wanted to be. Right? It, it actually pained me to hear that. That, that she wasn't that comfortable because ultimately I think what you see now is an America that actually would have embraced it and embraced her for it.
Yeah, but uh, they probably wouldn't would have gotten a lot of backlash because of that. I can understand certainly why she wanted for to breathing. Do that. Well, there's that, Dominique. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they couldn't even fist. Bump. Yeah, she got forget about her arms. arms. You know, I, yeah. I sometimes say that um, she couldn't show her arms. Yeah, that that you know, hair is a black woman's burden. I say that people get mad at me, but we should have the freedom that everybody else has. If I want to wear it straight in locks, if I want to wear it curly, natural, I should be able to do all of that. A weave, when we wear it, it's a weave. When white women wear it, they're extensions. Um, it's like everybody's policing our hair. And although I agree with that about how she should, in theory, have had her freedom, I think she made a wise decision because instead of having to hear Republican and conservative pundits opining about Michelle's hair. We were able to focus on policy issues and things that uh, we needed to get done for this country. And sadly, I don't think America would have been ready for that. Definitely not. It's it's a no. It's a no. It's definitely a no. John. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I grew up with two younger black sisters, a black mother. I know better than to come on a panel and talk about black women's hair. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna sit out this one. But I, will, I mean, I'm just gonna. I'm, hmm. I was you ready know. for you too, John. I was like, what is he about to say? Because he is not a black woman, and he has no information on this thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit this one out because uh, you know. But I mean, why? Tammy, let me ask let me ask you this though, Tammy. If 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 we if we fast forward to today, do you think the country would have been more acceptive today than 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 during their administration? No. I don't think that the country is in a place today to accept black women in a natural state. And I say that because there are too many people who are still alive that <laughs> created these laws against our hair and then created this condition that we have in America about uh, black people's hair, not just black women's hair, but also black men's hair as well. There are black men who have locks. There are black men who have afros. Uh, there are black men who wear cornrows to the back. So uh, it's not just about women it's also about men and and so i don't think that uh, america is ready to see that yet no i do not i don't so i mean i i think part of it has been you know one our ability as a people to demonstrate excellence right um bald heads for men you know particularly as, as an example men you know i i wouldn't have worn my hair bald 20 years ago 30 years ago um michael jordan comes along and it's more accepted I yeah, think yeah. the more examples that we have as as people that you can be excellent in whatever role you're doing, and we all know that we've got this unique style, right? The African American style. Do the excellence, but have the style, and it changes minds. That's why. That's what I say about you know the Obamas. I yeah, wish. but the problem is here we go again. We have to be excellent to wear a certain hairstyle. We are so. so, so I mean, but what, you know, what I'm saying is that's still not you. You should accept those who are mediocre. Those who are excellent, those who are beneath uh, the level of a, of a, of an a one hundred percent. I shouldn't accept mediocrity, but I shouldn't blame your hair for you. Being we should mediocre. all be able to be Eric Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break on we that. We should all we'll have the back. right. We'll be back. <laughs> Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. I have a little more holiday shopping to do. And let me tell you, I have found the perfect place to complete my list. If you're like me and haven't finished your holiday shopping yet, don't panic, okay? We've got a secret source for incredible original gifts, and that's Uncommon Goods. UncommonGoods.com has the absolute best gifts for everyone in your life. We're talking moms, dads, teens, in-laws, besties, your one and only. And it's not just stuff you can find just anywhere. Uncommon Goods has unique and creative gifts, often handmade by independent artists and makers. So skip the gifts that scream last minute and find something truly original at UncommonGoods.com. UncommonGoods.com looks for high quality, unique products that you can get anywhere, or rather you can't get anywhere. Nope, nope, I've tried, I couldn't. Couldn't do it. Uncommon Goods has something for everyone from art and jewelry to cozy comforts to home goods. Trust 
It's a one-stop shop. One gift that's a must-have for my family is the My Family Cookbook. I love this one, y'all. No more calling Aunt Rose every Christmas asking for her slamming shrimp and okra gumbo or Aunt Bernadine for her southern peach cobbler recipe. Now is the time to round up all those Ooh, yummy, delicious recipes for the family to cherish. Let this be the new staple in the family kitchen. And note that with each purchase, Uncommon Goods gives back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash Tammy Mac. That's uncommongoods.com slash Tammy Mac for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. And we are back in to the ordinary on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mac on Fox Soul. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. You guys know I have been waiting and longing for this story uh, and to be able to talk about this story for quite some time, 10 months to be exact. Uh, Brittany Griner was finally released from a Russian penal colony. Griner's release is raising new concerns about what is described as a hostage diplomacy, the taking of hostages for diplomatic purposes. Now, Griner's release was part of a prison swap with Russian arms dealer Victor Bout, and there have been questions, actually, about why former U.S. Marine Paul Whelan, who has been in a Russian prison for four years, was not a part of that deal. So what are your thoughts on this, and could this prison swap make Americans more of a target in other countries? This is a hard one. It's a hard one. Don? Yeah, I think, well, first of all, I still think that Brittany Griner was an idiot for going abroad with any amount. I know it was only a tiny amount of weed in her, her pen, but everybody knows you don't go abroad and, and take drugs with you for that reason, because you're going to get hit with such an unfair punishment that it's not worth it. So I, I, I understand that there is an element of, yeah, the, the sentencing was overboard and all of that, but that's, well, that's why you don't go abroad with drugs, and that, it's kind of as simple as that. I do think, to your point, that it, it does set a dangerous standard. The United States has had a long-standing precedent that we don't make negotiations with foreign powers and trade one person for another for that reason, for the hostage diplomacy issue, because then it, it makes it unsafe for people abroad to go travel and the Russian government now knows, well, we can imprison this person and we'll get what we want. And again, also, you brought up the point, um, it, it would have been more sensical to take one spy for another or have something that made diplomatic sense. But when you have someone and you release an arms dealer who was basically charged with conspiring against United States citizens and who was actually dangerous and swap them out from, for a, a female basketball star— I don't think that's a fair trade, and I think that that precedent exists for a reason why we don't just make those kind of diplomatic trades. So I, I think it was clumsy. Do I think Brittany Griner should be rotting away in a Russian prison cell and doing labor for nine years? I think it was. No. But do I think this was the way to let her out? No, I also don't agree with that. Dominique? Longstanding nothing. We just did a swap for a Marine like a few months ago. What are you talking about? We're always swapping. It's just that this one was very high profile because it's Brittany Griner, which does make her valuable, even if you don't value her as a Black woman, as a member of our LGBT community, as someone who's represented the United States in the Olympics, one of our heroes, one of our warriors. And let's add on the fact that there's a war going on, something she doesn't control, which makes her peril much greater in that Russian prison. Also, it should be noted, she said she didn't mean to put those vapes in her bag. She didn't even know they were there. That was an accident. We all make mistakes. And we know that you know, we don't, we know that we don't know everything about Paul Whelan. We don't know all the details of his detention. He does have passports in a number of, of different places. I'm not saying he's a spy, but the Russians made it clear that they, it was either Brittany Griner for Victor Boot or no one. It wasn't that they had the option to get out Whelan and they didn't do so. Americans abroad in time of war and strife are always at risk. And I don't think this is going to make any greater danger at all, because it's something that we regularly do. So to say we don't, is just wrong. It? 
I'm, you know, John, I'm, I'm just taken back by the 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 devaluing of of Britney um, in 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 this whole equation. I that um, you know, look, the, I think Dominique hit it right. You know, the the Russians were willing to deal on Britney Griner, and you know, we've been critical of the Biden administration over this 10 month period about getting this done. And and for all of the right reasons, you've got uh, to to what Dominique's point was, you've got a U.S. Olympian that, that is being held overseas, um, you know, unjustly being sent off to a penal colony. And, you know, the more that this country is faced to wake up every day and recognize that uh, another foreign power is has captured an American hero and is is basically doing to her just to spite the country, um, Biden had to take action, and, and and I'm happy and proud that he did. I also look to the Whelan family and their response to this, and and it's it's been unequivocal. They they will tell you the president should have taken the deal. We're happy that he took the deal. The deal was Brittany uh, Brittany for uh, the arms dealer, and that was a sane deal. If if there was a way to have brought Paul home in this, then they would have, and and you could see that from the family's reaction to this. The family did say that. Yes, thank you for mentioning that, Alicia. Yeah, and uh, the the arms dealer only had five years left on his sentence anyway. It wasn't like he was going to be in there forever. And uh, it's just ridiculous that this was punishment for her because there was a white girl who had seventeen grams of weed and only got five months in Russia. So the sentencing, the sentence disparity was way ridiculous. And uh, to to Dominique's point, we don't know everything there is to know about Wheeler. You know, they said he was dishonorably discharged. There's a lot of reasons going back and forth to why they wouldn't let him out and, and said Brittany Griner or nobody. And if that's what we got, then that's what we needed to do. He was Biden wasn't going to be like, well, then Brittany just going to stay. You know, of course he's going to get that woman out, and he should have. And I, I mean, don't understand what. Yeah. I also think it's a flex on the part of the African American nation, right? This is Russia's influence on Biden versus Black America's influence on Biden, and we got him in that office, and he rightly paid attention to our lobbying him to get her out. Yeah, and I, my only question is that at what cost? Like I had said. It's fine. I don't think her sentencing was fair. I don't think that she should be locked away in a Russian prison, prison for that long. But if we're letting out people who actually pose a danger to the United States, is that worth it? Is that a fair trade? I don't. So would think you have is. let him out in five years when his sentence is up? Yeah, yeah. I. I well, you, you're talking about Waylon. Yeah. No, no I'm talking about the arms dealer. Victor Booth. The arms dealer. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think because that sends a message that we're willing to compromise our safety. We're willing to compromise our national security and the well-being of individuals here in America for the sake of letting out. I'm sorry, but she's she's an, an athlete. She's a basketball star. So I have this star. question. That's what so, she is. Um, I have a question. But you called her an idiot, too, by the way. No, I did. Oh, wait, wait, wait. When did I call her an idiot? Oh, I called her an idiot for, for breaking the law, which is it, she's not an idiot. I'll rephrase that. But she did something dumb. Even if it was a mistake, everyone knows you don't go traveling abroad through customs through all of that, with drugs in your bag. You just don't do it. So, John, were it you, uh, would you have told the government, uh, President Joe Biden, no, 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 I'm going to stay here. Don't swap me. If I were Griner? Yeah. I Well, if I were Griner, no, of course I'd want to get out. If I were <laughs> Griner, I'd say, well, you know, do whatever you have to. But if I were Biden, I would say, is this worth it? Would we rather just have her serve out her sentence so that we do not pose an immediate threat to the people that I am in office as the leader of a democracy? I am sworn to oath to protect. Is that says the man? Yeah, but, says but, the man whose hero just had dinner with a white supremacist and yay, who's also a white supremacist. Okay, says but the man. That goes, uh, says the Trump man. Give me a break. Oh, yeah. me a break. I don't see how exactly. those two things let, are let me move on. Let me move but, on. But John, let but John, let us move on. Let us move on. I'm gonna. Uh, we go. We going trolley on away from this one. <laughs> Good morning, America. Co-hosts Amy Robach and T.J. Holmes are still together despite the fallout from their alleged workplace affair. But they are laying low as ABC makes their final decision on Holmes and Robach's future with the show. Here's the thing: uh, the ratings went up. The ratings went up. Put them back home. What are we doing? What's the investigation? <laughs> they were Is freedom good. really I mean, free? I am free in America to have an affair? That's that's not illegal. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of these corporations getting involved with who's sleeping with who. Listen, I don't John, care. John, speaking of monogamy, John. Yeah, yeah I mean, yes, I, I don't... I, yeah. Look, I, I, I don't, don't, condone, I don't condone the affair, uh, but I am enough of a free but, market person to say, you know, if the ratings are going up, people want to watch clearly. Oh, now it's free care. market. <laughs> well, well, it is. Yeah. Go ahead, Alicia. But uh, but that's between Roback and her husband and CJ Holmes and his wife. We need to back away from what's going on. I'm from the D.C. area where a lot of people work in the federal government. People are sleeping with people's husbands, wives. Nobody's federal government job is at risk. Nobody cares. That's what that, that depends on what's going on in your household. And I think that's the way it should work in entertainment. If TJ and this woman are having sex, why, why is that media worthy? I don't understand. And then why is there a punishment? The only punishment that should happen should happen at home. So this is we're in a weird time with that. We're very weird. And they showing the two of them out walking and holding hands right now. They not they like damn what y'all going through. Let me through. let me grab a commercial break. A let me let me and grab a commercial break. Commercial break. So I, is it, Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. And this, uh, the business of being black today is uh, the trending highlights, the political highlights of the week. So let's go. Um, sorry, this was a sad one. This was a sad one. 40-year-old Stephen Twitch Boss, the DJ for the Ellen DeGeneres show and dancer who rose to fame on So You Think You Can Dance, passed away on Tuesday. Now, law enforcement sources state that Stephen's wife ran to an LAPD station on Tuesday saying that her husband had left home without his car, something she said was abnormal. Police reportedly got a call later that day regarding a shooting at a hotel. They found Stephen's body and said it appeared he had died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Our thoughts and prayers certainly uh, with his friends, his family, and his fans. So what are your thoughts on this news? And let's talk about the increase in black male suicides in the last 10 years. Yes. Um, let's go to you, Ed. Uh, you know, look, anytime you have a story like this, it, there's always going to be sort of developing details that come out. Um, you know, and and what, what it sounds like is there's a question as to whether this is a suicide, right? Um, and, you know, well, TMZ, I, I would wait. Uh, TMZ has just reported that there was a note found. Okay. Um, I'm just going off of what I what I heard with, with I think, the, the wife's call. I mean, that's that's what gets raised. But, you know, I, look, ultimately, suicide is, is um, one of the more sad, disheartening ways in which, you know, people's lives end. Um, and it is usually born out of some measure of hopelessness and, and uh, uh, coping, lack of coping. And so when you start to see that happening, um, if it is with, you know, more with African-American males, as you say, over the last 10 years, um, I, you know, I think suicides have been up in general, certainly coming out of the pandemic. I know that was the case. Um, there's a higher focus now on, on mental illness and how we are feeling as a people, right? And we're talking about it more. There's more of a freedom to do so. We've done so, we've talked about this on the show in the past. And so I think that's an important piece that we've always got to continue to raise up that 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 there are, um, one, resources in place, but that it is okay to acknowledge that, that you need help in that area. Yeah, Alicia? Yeah, and it's a, around the holidays, everything goes up, crime goes up, suicide goes up, everything goes up because of the stress of the holidays. And this was just such an awful story. He has three children um, and everybody saw what they wanted to see on the outside, which is that he appeared to be so happy. And that made people start speculating. No, he was just dancing yesterday, not really understanding how mental illness and depression works. And just to see all the speculation on social media, that, that just compounded the situation. There were people on there going, well, he worked with Ellen DeGeneres and the gays, so no telling what he saw. They, I'm sure he was sacrificed. Like, people were saying the craziest stuff on social media, so I'm glad that he left a suicide note so these speculators can shut the heck up. It was five minutes after the story broke, and people just want to run with stuff. You know, just say, uh, rest in peace, well wishes to the family. You don't have to start all these QAnon conspiracy theories five minutes after somebody passes away. And it's just sad. You know, he seemed to be such a great guy. I didn't know him personally. The hotel where he shot himself in is right down the street from where I live. 
And it's just, it's, it's so sad. He was a young man, talented man, appeared to have the world at his feet, and you just never know what people are going through. Yeah, yeah, John? Well, to Alicia's point, uh, so that we're not speculating, because we don't know all the facts and we don't know what his life was like, I'll just speak to the suicide factor, because like you had said in your intro, suicide rates are, I think black men are the only demographic that they're really going up in. And among men in general, they're four to five times more than women. And it really speaks to the problem of suicide and depression and just mental health among men. I mean, we're always told, we always hear about how hard life is for women and how difficult the, the female struggle is. We never hear about it from men. And I think the suicide rates show that there is stuff that men are struggling with. Men deal with it in a different way, which is probably leading to things like suicide because men, as men were told, don't express your opinion, kind of keep your emotion withdrawn. And that's especially true among black men. There is a culture of kind of machismo and, you know, just suck it up and get things done. And, and we don't show emotion. And then you look at the suicide rates and you realize there's a lot going on that maybe we don't feel comfortable to express or maybe we don't know how to cope with or deal with. So I think it's an issue that we have to pay a lot of attention to because I'm not downplaying the struggles that women go through, but we kind of are in an era where we kind of think men don't have issues, men have everything at their fingertips, and life is just peachy for men, and that's clearly not the case with these suicide rates. We're clearly dealing with stuff. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for saying that, John. Absolutely. Dominique? Yeah, um, I, I've been doing some shows on suicide, and uh, you're right, it is up among Black men. It's also up among Black children, both boys and girls, as young as eight years old. And the thing about this is this is one area where traditionally Black people have not been leaders. I always hear about how we're leaders in different diseases and, and issues. Suicide rates generally have been lower among Black people. This is the first time we're starting to see this rise. And I do think it's true that everyone's going through something, the pandemic. And I do think it's true that we present something different on social media or are at our job than whatever's going on inside. But I think it's time for us to, as a community, really start, to Ed's point, talking about this with each other, figuring out what those resources are, checking on each other, not trying to tell people, suck it up, man up, woman up, but to be able to just lend that ear and listen non-judgmentally, to really pay attention to what our kids are saying, rather than just telling them, you know, suck it up, quit being a, you know, a slacker. Because when you have now a rise in children as young as eight who are taking their own lives in the African-American community, I think it's time for us to take a good look at how we're relating to each other and whether or not we are playing a role in not allowing ourselves to receive the care that we need. And that is available in many cases. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it, it is a hard pill to swallow, right? It's definitely a hard pill to swallow. Um, so before we go, I want to talk about a story that everyone should know about. This is called In Case You Missed It. So this story has either hit the mainstream media yet or just isn't getting the traction that it deserves. All right. So that's the segment that we call in case you missed it. So on Sunday, the New York Times released an explosive report detailing how thousands of children all over the country are being enrolled in the Junior Reserve Officers Training Corps, better known as the Junior ROTC program without their permission. Children in predominantly black and Latino schools are automatically enrolled in the military-run training program, which is illegal. When children and their families request that they be released from the program, they are refused. And this is a couple of weeks after the American military admitted that children all over the country had been molested and sexually assaulted by ROTC leaders. The junior ROTC is a pipeline for the military. I know so many of my peers from, you know, high school who enrolled in the ROTC. Uh, so what is this about? What are your thoughts on this, Ed? If, if, if you're gaining the system to get kids into a program like the ROTC, then, then there's some ramifications there. Um, you know, if I pull back and I say, look, the ROTC as a program, I think is a strong program. 
Um, you know, when when we think about those in our families that have served in the military, um, there's something noble in that. Um, and and there, I can remember back in in college how many of my friends were part of ROTC on campus. There are definitely some benefits to the 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 path of going through military service. Um, now, directing black and brown kids into a program at the high school level without or they or their family's permission is incredibly wrong. And, you know, I, I'm waiting to hear more about this. You know, first things first, Tammy, great intro. I love the in case you missed it, the graphic and everything. That was fun. Um, but the more we learn about this story, um, you know, I think it's going to we're going to find something a little more insidious, right? Uh, you know, putting people in a program without their permission, there's something wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely something wrong with that, John. Yeah, well, I'd like to also find out more about this because uh, no one is indicting the ROTC as a program in and of itself. But when you are involuntarily basically conscripting young men and women to enlist in the military, and then especially when you take into account that these are young men and women of color, that makes it sound like, well, these are, are, are expendable pawns that we're just going to send to war because they don't really matter as much. So it is really insidious. And, you know, I have no problem with the military in theory, but at this point in time, we don't have a draft. So you have to know what you're getting into. And it is illegal to send people or at least sign up people to start training for war when they have no desire to do that. I know I'd be I'd be unhappy. I'd be mad if I found out I, I I got signed up to join the ROTC. I I I'm not fit for war. I wouldn't be a good soldier. Not to say that all of it is is combat roles, but but you know you have to kind of know that you're getting into that. So I I think that it is really uh, for anyone for for any young person at the age of 18 to just automatically be enrolled into this program is is deeply troubling. Well, the the 18 year old John might have been. Yeah, right. Might have been that. fit Maybe. for it. Yes. Yeah. Dominique. Maybe. Well, you know, while Ed's friends were signing up for ROTC, me and my friends were protesting to get that mess off campus. And so, uh, no, not all of us are in support of that. Uh, we were we were protesting not to have military recruitment on our campuses, and we did so successfully. And one of the reasons for that is because the U.S. military is a volunteer army. That means it's more likely that poor people will go because they need jobs. It means that because we no longer have a draft, the wealthy and powerful don't have to make excuses like Donald Trump did and say they have bone spurs to get out of service. They can just recruit, and in this case, without their knowledge, recruit young people of color and young uh, low-income people, and that is wrong. It's absolutely categorically wrong. Now, you're right. I think all the veterans for their service who signed up and honorably served. That said, militarizing campuses or using them as your personal recruitment state, uh, stations is unconscionable. It's absolutely wrong. And you, I guarantee you, you don't see that happening on the campuses of wealthy private schools. Alicia. Absolutely not. And I bet you, because they said the kids were black and brown, I bet you they were from certain zip codes as well. Because if they feel like you're from a zip code where your family can't afford attorneys, you're automatically vulnerable. They should not have to Shanghai children into junior ROTC. There's a lot of kids who will voluntarily go and would like to be there voluntarily. So I don't understand why they have to be so deceptive in their practices. And then they said that some of these kids are being sexually assaulted in these junior ROTC programs. So now I feel like it's sex trafficking. You know, the, the FBI needs to get involved in this. This is absolutely ridiculous and it's unconscionable. And I can't imagine being a parent and having my kids say they were signed up for some junior ROTC. And then as a parent, you say something and they tell you as a parent, there's nothing you can do about it. Where? This is America. So I, it, it all sounds ridiculous to me. And I hope something is done about it. Certainly. Um, I'm happy to bring that story to you. It has been getting very little play. Uh, I'd have to think because it's only happening to brown and black children. But just my thought. Okay, so listen, this is our last Friday together until 2023. Yes, 
So I would like for the four of you to talk about the projects that you are working on so we can uh, have something to look forward to in the new year coming from you four panelists. Uh, Ed, what do you got? I live in Los Angeles in the, in the Western United States. Uh, we are starting to work on a project uh, called Groundswell for Water. Um, ultimately, there's a conversation about um, the drought and how it's impacting water supplies in the Western United States. It's, it's you know, we'll have to come back and, and have it on one of those in case you missed it segments. But um, ultimately, there is starting to be a dwindling source of money, uh, water in the Western United States. And there's some conversation around who gets access to the water as, as it dwindles. And so wow. to the point about black and brown communities, we've got to keep an eye out for that. Thank you for that. Uh, John, what you got? So Trump kicked off the 2024 <laughs> campaign season a little bit early. So I, I work as a political consultant. So we are, there's a lot of campaign stuff that's happening and, and I'm working behind the scenes on stuff with that. But in the meantime, I'm also providing commentary, which you can follow me on social media, uh, with the exception of Twitter, which I think last time we talked about, I don't have, but uh, official John Miller, John with no H is where you can kind of keep up with me and the things that I'm working on. All right, uh, Dominique, what do you got? Yeah, if you're going to follow me, it's Deprima Radio, D-I-P-R-I-M-A Radio. I'm now streaming my radio show on KBLA Talk 1580 on YouTube every single morning so you can wake up and be tired with me. I'm also working in support of our newly elected Los Angeles mayor, Karen Bast, the first woman, the first black woman to be elected mayor of Los Angeles. I was honored to be the voice of her inauguration, and I'm looking forward to doing everything I can to support her quest let me get Alicia in. Let me get Alicia in. Alicia, oh, what you got? Well, tonight and tomorrow night, the 16th and 17th of December, I'm in Houston, Texas, performing at a place called Amaz. You can go to my Instagram to find out more about that, Alicia Cooper in the number two. I'm also doing this Capital Jazz Cruise, January 15th through the 22nd. Go to capitaljazz.com. You will not believe the lineup. And I'm still directing. And that is the business of being black with Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. If you are looking for the highest level of Lincoln luxury, look no further than Woodhouse Lincoln, Nebraska's exclusive Lincoln Black Label dealer. With advantages that extend beyond the driver's seat, your Lincoln Black Label SUV will be immersed in innovative technologies, luxurious interior amenities, and effortless maintenance. With Lincoln pickup and delivery, our knowledgeable sales team will curate the Lincoln SUV fit for your lifestyle. Explore the four Lincoln Black Label themes in your inventory online at woodhouselincoln.com. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone.